0: The views expressed in this podcast are solely those of the speaker. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not a substitute for professional medical advice from your own physician. Hi, I'm Dr. Faisal Zaman. I am the current Patient Education Chairman for the North American Spine Society. I've been a spine specialist for nearly 15 years and in recording this podcast on degenerative disc disease. Back pain is one of the most common health problems facing people today. It is the second most common reason for a doctor's visit behind only the common cold. Billions of dollars are spent annually on treating back pain, which is also a very common cause of disability. More than 90% of people will experience an episode of debilitating back pain at some point in their lifetime. While there are many causes of back pain, the most common cause is a disorder of the lumbar intervertebral discs. The spine is divided into three parts, and the lumbar spine is the lowest part of the spine. The intervertebral discs are shock absorbers, or spacers, that are located in the spine between the bones of the spine called vertebrae, hence the name intervertebral. The makeup of a disc is similar to that of a jelly donut in that it has a soft, gel-like center called the nucleus pulposus, which has a very limited blood supply, and a thicker outer structure called the annulus fibrosus, which has sensitive nerves dispersed within it. The purpose of the disc is to allow movement and also to provide shock-absorbing capability. However, much like a jelly donut, if too much pressure is applied, the disc can bulge out of place or break apart. This is called a herniation. This gel is composed of many inflammatory mediators and as a result is very irritating to the surrounding structures. When the disc is disrupted, it is frequently associated with back pain, whether the cause is trauma, genetic predisposition, or poor strength of the core muscles that provide some support to the spinal structures. This back pain is thought to be due in part to inflammatory mediators that are released and due to the disruption of the annulus fibrosis of the intervertebral disc, among other things. If spinal nerves are compressed or irritated, this can lead to another problem called radiculopathy, meaning pain from an irritated or pinched spinal nerve. This is also known as sciatica and is a whole nother topic for another podcast. The back pain associated with intervertebral disc disruption is called discogenic pain. The more common phrase used to describe disc-related pain is degenerative disc disease. Although frank disc herniations can certainly be a cause of back pain, more subtle disc problems such as a simple tear of the annulus fibrosis or subtle derangements of the more central part of the nucleus pleposis can also be associated with back pain. Further complicating matters, it has been shown that completely normal-looking discs on MRI, which is the best test to look at intervertebral discs, can be associated with back pain. What this means is that abnormal, degenerative-appearing discs on an MRI are not necessarily pain generators. When the outer part of the disc appears normal and the disc is proven as painful due to internal derangement, this is a process called internal disc disruption syndrome. Again, the back pain caused from all of these issues I've mentioned is called discogenic pain, and some of these terms are more broadly classified as degenerative disc disease. As the life of a disc progresses, it naturally loses hydration gradually. This is universal. It will happen to all of us. Fortunately, similar to how a normal appearing disc can cause discogenic pain, the converse is far more prevalent. Most degenerative discs do not cause debilitating back pain, and in fact, the vast majority can be completely painless. Dehydrating discs are like graying hair or wrinkling skin. If we're lucky to live long enough, we are going to have degenerating discs on an MRI, or what a radiologist may call degenerative disc disease, frequently abbreviated as DDD. The term degenerative disc disease may be used to describe a disc with a tear in it, a bulging outwards, a loss of height, or darker color on specific MRI sequences. Do not panic if you've been told you have this. You are not alone. This is not a disease in the traditional sense of the word. You cannot die from degenerative disc disease. This is not a life and death situation. This can, however, be a quality of life issue. While degenerative discs are not always associated with pain, they can be. The type of pain that people describe most frequently is a dull ache with pressure across the low back, occasionally referred down to the tailbone area and up the back a little bit, and often across to both sides and even into the top part of the buttocks. Sometimes a dull aching feeling can even extend into the thighs. If there is leg pain coming from the discs, the leg pain should not be as intense as the back pain and is unlikely to extend below the knees. One particularly stoic patient I remember very well described his back pain as simply a feeling of being tired. Although less common, disc pain can be sharp, stabbing, lancinating, burning, and even more uncommonly associated with tingling and numbness. Aggravating factors are activities or positions that put pressure on the discs and increase the stress on the lumbar spine. People often describe staying in any one position for too long as a common factor. Although standing on hard surfaces, such as in line at an amusement park, can cause discogenic pain, sitting is one of the most common exacerbating factors. The longer one sits in one position the more prevalent their discogenic pain may become. Individuals often describe a need to keep moving or shifting in their seat or getting up and standing in the back of a movie theater or in a classroom in order to stay comfortable. Long airline flights stuck in a window seat or sitting in a courtroom or in church are common aggravators bending, twisting, coughing, sneezing, and jumping related activities such as basketball or even teaching a child how to do jumping jacks can all cause discogenic symptoms as well. Other common aggravating factors include standing and slightly bending forward at the waist, shoveling snow, digging a hole for a fence post, changing sheets on a bed, packing a suitcase for a trip, washing a car, and even things seemingly far less strenuous, such as standing and doing dishes, washing hands, and even brushing teeth or shaving can be agonizing for people with discogenic pain. The good news is that discogenic pain flare-ups nearly always subside spontaneously within a certain period of time. This period of time is variable. Often the individual will describe intermittent pain for a few days at a time, occurring once every few years. With the progression of time, the flare-ups may become more intense and more frequent with longer duration before subsiding. The pain can eventually become constant. Patients frequently describe experiencing stiffness and pain when getting out of bed in the morning with loosening up and improvement of symptoms over the course of 30 to 90 minutes. Increasing discomfort usually occurs at the end of the day in these cases. The pain can sometimes interfere with a good night's sleep as well. The bad news is that while many treatment options exist, there is no long-term permanent cure for recurring discogenic pain and degenerative disc disease is not reversible. Again, like wrinkling skin or graying hair. Many treatment options exist and many factors play into how much someone's life will be affected. Initial strategies in addition to minimizing exacerbating factors include over-the-counter medications such as acetaminophen, also known as Tylenol, ibuprofen, also known as Advil or Motrin, or naproxen, also known as Aleve. Other strategies such as smoking cessation, weight reduction, and core strengthening with the guidance of a physical therapist can be helpful. Recent Recent research has shown that a technique called cognitive behavioral therapy In addition to physical therapy and subsequent home exercises have been shown to be as effective as long-term management of chronic back pain as major back surgery. Various injections have been shown to treat discogenic pain, and while injection strategies have been shown in some cases to decrease pain substantially, a long-term benefit should generally not be expected unless other strategies are employed as well, such as those I've already mentioned. The most common strategy used to treat discogenic pain is the x-ray-guided epidural steroid injection. These these procedures are done over a million times a year in the United States alone. Risks and side effects do exist, and these procedures should only be done by an experienced medical doctor well-trained in carefully performing such procedures. I briefly mentioned earlier that major back surgery is a treatment option for degenerative disc disease. The most common back surgery for back pain is called a fusion. Historically, fusions have been done to treat joint-related pain when the joint cannot be salvaged and the expected pain relief and benefit with subsequent improvement in quality of life outweighs the consequences of joint fusion. Fusion means that the affected joint is obliterated and the two bones that make up the joint are fused together into one solid bone. This is frequently done using bone from a cadaver or other type of donor, and many times with hardware, meaning rods or screws. In the spine, this means completely removing the presumable painful intervertebral discs and turning the vertebrae above and below the disc into one solid piece of bone. While in many cases with pinched nerve-related pain, fusions have provided substantial benefit, many risks exist and overall the long-term outcomes of spinal fusions are conflicting and many do not show clear benefit. This is especially the case with back pain alone. As with injections, and all other options I've mentioned already, while benefit can be obtained from fusion, a good outcome cannot be guaranteed, and by no means should it ever be looked at as a cure. Where does all this information lead us? We are led to degenerative disc disease being a universal issue, affecting nearly every one of us if we live long enough. We may or may not have pain from it, and no cure exists. Coping strategies and a generally healthy lifestyle minimizing exacerbating factors are critical. More research is needed, and it is being done. Most of all, if you are told you have degenerative disc disease, do not panic. Remember that there are other causes of back pain as well, and frequently pain has many sources. A part of your pain may be discogenic, but the pain could be coming from other areas of the spine as well. See a well-trained medical doctor who can accurately assess whether or not your pain is related to this entity or to something else and guide you to what treatment options exist for you. Thank you. I hope you found this helpful.